Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, and events. As the calendar turns to August, we have baseball in full swing and the return of football this month. Use our promo code believe 50 to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, BetOnline, where the game starts. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy Podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it's a podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is August 3rd, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening This is episode 999 on the Take It Easy podcast. Tomorrow will be our 1,000th episode in the show's history, and I am very, very appreciative of all your continued support of this show, each and every one of you who helps to make this an incredibly fun, passionate project for myself. This is actually the first time since... uh, I believe June 19th or June 22nd. Uh, It has been now about six weeks since I have addressed all of you on a proper Wednesday because we have spent the last few weeks every Wednesday releasing episodes of our documentary series, The Fall of the Spurs Dynasty. All five episodes are out now. There's links in the description to this episode for all of those episodes. So we have a proper Wednesday show here on the Take It Easy podcast, and we're going to jump right into our main story of the day, which concerns the Major League Baseball trade deadline, an annual tradition that I find to be quite enjoyable, and as the years have gone on, have learned that it's more fun to make content than watch content around the MLB trade deadline. And this year's trade deadline, all in all, was no different than any other year you had Your typical five players from tanking teams get traded. Everyone made small little moves. You had the Astros trading for Will Smith because Will Smith, the baseball Will Smith, has to get traded every single year at the deadline. One year it was to San Francisco. The next year it was to Atlanta, and he won the World Series in Atlanta. And now this year it's to Houston. Frankie Montas went from Oakland to the Yankees because the Yankees always never have a third starting pitcher. Even when their pitching staff is absolutely incredible, the Yankees never, ever, ever know who's going to pitch game three of a playoff series for them. One year it's Tanaka, one year it's CeCe Sabathia, one year it's J.A. Happ, one year it's 
Well, it's Tanaka again. I think Tanaka was 2019 and 2016 as the third starter. Then the next year, it's Jamison Tayon. One year, it's James Paxton. One year, it's Luis Severino. And now, it looks like it's going to... Well, actually, last year, it was Corey Kluber. And now, it looks like it's going to be Frankie Montas because it was going to be Luis Severino. And that's a pretty damn good number three starter. Except Luis Severino has arm problems. And so, he is gone now. Nestor Cortez isn't the number three starter, he's the number two starter, but they just don't have anyone who can fill the number three starter position. And now it's Frankie Montas. So, normal MLB trade deadline, if you want to play the trade deadline game, we filled out a little bingo card on Friday, and uh, that is all we have for our main story of the day. Because now, I'm going to be totally self-absorbed about the San Diego Padres and their trade deadline transactions. This ends up being something I do every single year, but this year it's especially necessary because the Padres just conducted the biggest trade in the history of Major League Baseball, and if not the biggest trade in the history of Major League Baseball, the biggest trade since the Miami Marlins traded Miguel Cabrera from the Mar- or from themselves to the Detroit Tigers back in 2008, or the trade where the Marlins gave up Giancarlo Stanton to the New York Yankees, or one of the other trades where the Miami Marlins gave up a generational star. Because there are three of them, ladies and gentlemen. There are three different times the Miami Marlins have traded a generational star. But regardless, Juan Soto is going to the San Diego Padres. And because I'm going to be self-absorbed and talk about my beloved hometown San Diego Padres, who were absolute losers, I will remind you again right off the top, the San Diego Padres made the playoffs No times in my memorable childhood, from age 5 to age 19, the San Diego Padres did not make a playoff appearance. Those San Diego Padres just traded for Juan Soto, and as a result, we are going to play the 2021 Padres rap anthem for a team that absolutely fell apart in the second half of the season, but they still dominate the trade deadline every single year. Let's play the rap anthem from local San Diego rapper Rob Stone, celebrating the San Diego Padres because the Padres just made the biggest trade in the history of baseball. Padres did the thing I wanted them to do, which was trade their entire farm system in uh, trade all of their prospects for the present is basically what the San Diego Padres did. And my argument from the very beginning is if you're going to be a sustainable winner, you're going to have to develop new players anyways. So if you're the Padres, you might as well just dump most of your farm system in order to acquire Juan Soto because it's better to be mediocre with Juan Soto than bad without Juan Soto. So Yay, the Padres get at least two playoff runs with Juan Soto. Maybe a third one if they want to risk him leaving in free agency. Maybe they sign him to a long-term extension. Who knows? 
Bottom line, the San Diego Padres got Juan Soto. And I'm so excited about this. I'm going to play the San Diego Superchargers theme song. Why? Because it brings back fun childhood memories. Today is a day to celebrate anything and everything San Diego because San Diego is by far the most cursed sports city in the history of America. It's a great day to be a San Diego Padres fan because the Padres just made the biggest trade in the history of Major League Baseball. And what I want to just do to kick off the podcast is just go through the hour-ish, it was about 9 a.m. West Coast time till about 10 o'clock, and just take you through that hour. Because I think the thing I discovered is like I've always known that I'm a sports anarchist and I ran a meme page for all those years and I love making content around sports that's funny and silly. I think one of the things I learned is that I am a now a sports sociopath. And we'll get to that in a second. But first, let's go through the, the timeline of events to figure out why I'm a sports sociopath. So first of all, we get the news around 9 o'clock that... Juan Soto to the Padres is near being finalized. And details are slowly rolling in. You get a little thing here, a little thing there. You're checking Mark Feinsand. You're checking Bob Nightingale. Your group chats are blowing up. All kinds of stuff about the San Diego Padres. And then as we slowly tick through the day... We finally get the news at 9 o'clock that the Padres have a trade in place to acquire Juan Soto, and the deal is finalized, and Jeff Passan reports that Juan Soto has been informed by the Washington Nationals that he is going to San Diego, which, wow, that is a big-time moment to have happened. So the Padres end up getting a deal together in exchange for Juan Soto, and when I'm following this story, you know, there's, you know, graphics being made with Juan Soto in a Padres uniform and all kinds of stuff. I also just totally miss the news that they also get Josh Bell, who, by the way, has a higher war this season than Juan Soto. Josh Bell is having a better season this year than Juan Soto. So anyways, Josh Bell's included in the deal, but Josh Bell's a free agent at the end of the season. So you're just getting him for basically two months and the playoff run to start at first base. Luke Voigt is your DH. They'll alternate back and forth there. 
And then you get the details about the trade package, which is, and I'm just going to read the, the players one off the bat and then detail it a little bit more. But this is from Bob Nightingale, Padre, or, or friend of the show Bob Nightingale, I should say. If you want to hear Bob Nightingale's MLB free uh, trade deadline preview, you can check that out on an episode we recorded a few weeks ago. We'll have Bob on the podcast sometime again in August. Friend of the show, Bob Nightingale, the Padres and Nationals are both thrilled with the Soto trade. The Nats get a haul in return. Pitcher, Mackenzie Gore. Shortstop, C.J. Abrams. Outfielder, Robert Hassel III. Outfielder, James Wood, not to be confused with right-wing propagandist James Woods. And pitcher, Jarlin Susana. The Nats scouting department calls Susanna a sleeper. He was a a second-round pick in the 2022 draft, I think, for the Padres, but... Basically, the Padres walk away with trading, based on the March prospect rankings of MLB.com, the Padres traded their number one, number two, number three, number five, and number 16 prospects in order to acquire one Soto. And none of them are the level of the Miguel Cabrera trade. When the Miguel Cabrera trade went down, he was a top five prospect in all of Major League Baseball, uh, or sorry, They got two of the top five prospects in all of Major League Baseball from the Tigers, which was at the time Cameron Mabin and Andrew Miller. Mackenzie Gore at one point was number three in the prospect rankings, and C.J. Abrams, I think, got as high as like eight at one point. Both of those players had got to the Major Leagues, so that kind of reflects what the trade was for Juan Soto and for Josh Bell, is basically two top ten prospects in all of baseball, Robert Hassel, who's a top 50 prospect, and a few other, you know, pieces. Susanna might turn into something years from now. James Wood might turn into something years from now. But basically, you're looking at three top 50 prospects and two top 10 prospects in all of baseball getting traded to Washington. And very rarely do those players not go on to have some level of meaningful MLB career. What the Nationals have basically done now is torn down their entire team, They're going to get the number one pick in this year's draft. They now, walking out of the Max Scherzer trade, the Trey Turner trade, Josh Bell, Juan Soto, they basically walk away with five top 50 prospects in those trades. They get five of the 50 best prospects in baseball and a handful of other pieces mixed in between. They've made smaller trades for smaller prospects, all kinds of stuff like that. But Washington went from a team that was World Series good in 2019 to now everything is gone. Everything's gone for Washington at this point. And we talked about this when we covered the World Series in 2019. This was at the very, very early days of the podcast, so it was not a great show. But 2019, we covered that World Series run for Washington. We talked about in 2020 during the pan. It might have been actually on this date in 2020. We did a pandemic podcast all about the Washington Nationals and how it's all basically fallen apart for them pretty quickly. And now it finishes with they traded Max Scherzer, they traded Trey Turner, they traded Juan Soto, they traded Josh Bell. That's four all-stars. They netted them basically 10 prospects and four of them who are top 50 guys. If you want to hear more Juan Soto talk like that, we did a podcast last week that details kind of like how you get value in a Juan Soto trade. And, And the Nationals feel like they did good, but we'll find out years from now how that worked out for them in the grand scheme of things okay so that trade goes through then we get the news that Eric Hosmer is also part of the trade which for a lot of Padres fans is like oh bonus points for us Eric Hosmer gets traded out for people who don't know Hosmer was a a giant contract for the Padres five years ago 
and now that contract has not aged well. He has he's barely a replacement level player this year. He's platooned between starting and batting left-handed. So the Padres were going to have to take some of the money, but Washington was willing to accept the trade and take on Hosmer and just have him be their first baseman through a terrible rebuild. And Eric Hosmer had a no trade clause for 10 teams that put them put him in a position where the Nationals were one of those teams and so he could just decline the no trade clause. And I'm sure if you're following what happened during the day, you already knew that that was the case. And Joel Sherman put out the point of Scott Boris represents Hosmer, represents Soto, Josh Bell, Mackenzie Gore, and James Wood. So this is Scott Boris having his hands on the entire trade, which is just absolutely hilarious. And obviously this was Hosmer's choice of whether or not he wanted to waive the no trade clause. So for about 20 minutes, there's no news about the Hosmer trade getting done. Even though Juan Soto's been told he's going to to now play for the the, uh, the the Padres, and Josh Bell's been told he's going to play for the Padres, that deal that was originally reported is now paused because Eric Hosmer is not waiving his no-trade clause. And the Padres go and talk to him and negotiate a deal, and Eric Hosmer... For 20 minutes, there's just silence, just radio silence on that front. Now, in in actuality, the trade was going to be done no matter what. Hosmer was just a matter of semantics needing to go back to Washington. It was just a throw-in piece for the trade. And so there's a brief moment in time for those 15 to 20 minutes where it looks like the Eric Hosmer trade is... Uh, the, sorry, the, the, the Juan Soto trade is contingent on Eric Hosmer waiving his no-trade clause. And for a long while, it for like 10 minutes, all of these ideas start running through my head. And I start saying, oh, I want this to happen now. I want Eric Hosmer to be the one who derails the trade. And there's this whole psychology about fandoms of teams that are terrible where the community rallies around the being terrible, and that's how they find their place in the community. Last year, the Padres had a deal in place for Max Scherzer, and an hour later, he ended up going to the Dodgers. The Padres have been on the bad end of a lot of this stuff, and it would have been so perfect if you have jersey swaps, players being told they're going to get traded, and then Eric Hosmer derailed the entire trade, like it was a non-negotiable piece of the trade. And deep down in my sociopathic soul, I think I kind of wanted it. And I'm a Padres fan. And deep down, I'm like, I just, sometimes you just want to watch the world burn. And the good news is you're watching the world burn in a place where it the, the stakes are not actually that serious. The stakes are not that important when it comes to the the San Diego Padres and what happens with Major League Baseball transactions. So it's an easier place to be sociopathic. But I've joked for years on this podcast that my most transformative moment of my sports fandom, which obviously sports dictate a lot of my life, so a big part of my life, was when the Padres moved to Los Angeles. Or sorry, when the Chargers moved to Los Angeles. That was a moment where, like, the matrix fell apart for me a bit, where I'm like, oh, all of this doesn't matter. All of this sports stuff we take way too seriously, because one day the Padre or the Chargers can just get up, move three hours up the road, and I don't root for them anymore. And that's when I realized this is a business. 
this is not emotional. It's emotional to a lot of people, but people are being incredibly irrational when that happened. And so it took me years to come back around on the sports fandom. It was part Patrick Mahomes, part the 2018 NFL season, the 2019 NBA playoffs, the 2019 baseball playoffs. Things started to come back around for me in terms of enjoying sports again and finding this sports radio format to be fun. But the thing I learned then that will always carry with me now is all of this doesn't matter. When you're a San Diego sports fan, you know what lessons you learn is that all of your teams are going to be terrible, you will never have a chance to win anything, and all of your greatest sports heroes will die. That's what you learn when you're a San Diego sports fan. San Diego has not won a professional championship since 1960. The Padres have made two World Series, but for my entire memorable childhood, from age 5 to age 19, Padres never once made the playoffs. And the Chargers had two really good seasons when I was a child. My brother cried when they lost to the Jets in the playoffs. They won 11 straight games, lost in the first playoff game to the Jets. And then five years later, they were gone. And they were terrible for the six years in between. And then, you know, five years after their last great run, they're gone. And I put way too much emotional stability in that football team and way too much emotional stability in, I mean, not necessarily emotional stability, but just spent hundreds of hundreds of hours of my childhood watching Chris DeNorfia and Kevin Kuzminoff and some just god-awful San Diego Padres teams. And so, like, my, my Joker moment or my leaving the Matrix, I've never seen the Matrix, but I have seen Joker. My Joker moment is when the Chargers leave and, and I start running the meme page and I'm like, oh, I'm just a sports anarchist. I just cheer for content. Give me all the content. And I want it just injected into my veins. Give me all the sports content that you can find. And lo and behold, it's run so deep now. I've adopted the Sacramento Kings because I love how crazy the Sacramento Kings are and how terrible that franchise is run and how and are like I love losers in sports. I love rooting for the losers, the teams who don't the minor league franchises, the teams that don't even belong because I don't take it seriously anymore. I just enjoy the camaraderie and community of everyone rooting for this really stupid thing. It's stupid enough to spend your emotional stability on good sports teams. It's stupid for that girl in that video of the Cowboys playoff game to be crying with two minutes left on the clock before Dak Prescott does inevitably break her heart. It's insane that people put so much emotional stability in sports. It's insane that people put so much emotional stability in rooting for a college that they did not even attend. It's all crazy. It's all insane. And I realized that as a child and still love it anyways, because I find these little moments to be a sports anarchist. And that's where I drive the most pleasure is from rooting for losers and being an anarchist. And I think that makes me a sociopath when it comes to sports, because I am actively seeking out wanting Eric Hosmer to derail the trade for the Padres. And again, I want the Padres to win. I've just decided that my emotional stability is not going to be tied up in this idea of the Padres winning a championship because, again, I am a sociopath. So the this 15-minute period where I'm rooting for the Padres trade to fall apart is just like 10 years of San Diego sports fandom. This is going to be quite arguably the biggest moment in the history of San Diego sports because there's not a whole lot to choose from. Trading for Juan Soto might be the biggest moment in the history of San Diego sports. 
it's crazy to think about that, and I want it to get derailed. I want him to go to the Dodgers, and I'm just rooting for pain because I am a sociopath. I'm rooting for other people who put so much emotional stability in this thing to continue being losers because ultimately I get pride from being a loser. And if the Padres win a World Series, it'll be unabashed joy. I just don't have to go through all the torment and heartache along the 15 years to get there. So I'm rooting in the back of my mind for this trade to all fall apart. And then, lo and behold, Eric Hosmer is not waiving his no-trade clause, which at this point could have led to total anarchy. Like, the idea that Eric Hosmer derails the trade and then has to go back to the Padres after this is just insane. And it was looking like the deal was going to go through and Hosmer would still be a San Diego Padre. Because remember, there's like six hours left until the trading deadline. And Eric Hosmer is, again, Eric Hosmer was the biggest free agent in the history of the Padres when they were first trying to dabble in big contracts. They had uh, signed him. A year later, they signed Machado. A year later, Fernando Tatis Jr. came up. And then a year after that, they ended up making the playoff run for the first time. So, like, this is their first real way of dabbling into big-time money and big-time free agents. Because they had traded for Matt Kemp, they traded for Justin Upton, they traded for Derek Norris, they traded for James Shields. Well, they signed James Shields, then they traded away James Shields. But the Padres had like gone all-in in 2015, and they were terrible. And then a couple of years later, tore it all down and spent years in the tank trying to build it all back up. And that's when I fell in love with <laughs> teams built on Hunter Renfro and Manuel Margot who, again, way too much emotional stability in those teams. But the Padres now have built up this sustainable model of we're going to be consistently the second-best team in the National League, or sorry, in the National League West. And that's not going to be good enough to win a championship, but we're going to spend exorbitant amounts of money just to get into the pinball lottery of Major League Baseball's playoffs. And... Trading for Juan Soto is a big deal because at least you're going to have a ridiculously entertaining product. People may not remember, but last year the Padres were selling um, like banners at the stadium when they did the return from COVID of America's most exciting baseball team. That's what the Padres were branding themselves as last year. They are America's most exciting baseball team. Everyone talks about Shohei Otani and him being on the cover of video games and Vlad Jr., Two years prior, Fernando Tatis was the next future superstar of baseball, and that kind of like declined real quick. But Fernando Tatis Jr. is still there. Manny Machado is still an MVP. Juan Soto now adds to that mix. Joe Musgrove is a hometown guy, and his father was a police officer in San Diego, so that's a story that white San Diegans will gravitate towards, and the surprisingly large Republican contingency in San Diego can gravitate towards. You've got that story. You Darvish is a really good pitcher. Mike Clevenger is a guy with tattoos who rides his skateboard and just looks like Sandy, like a stereotypical way people across the country think of San Diego. They were marketing themselves as America's most exciting team. And it all fell apart last year. They missed the playoffs. They were worse than the Baltimore Orioles. And then they come back this year and they have a team that pretty much goes quietly under the radar for most of the season because base one baseball just takes a, a step back to every other storyline, but the Padres have just been quiet. They've been a, an above average team. 
know Fernando Tatis, and we all know Fernando Tatis's name. Manny Machado's an MVP, but Manny Machado's been an MVP for 10 years now. Luke Voigt's there. Musgrove's a really good pitcher who made the all-star team. Cronenworth is a really good player, but he goes under the radar. And it's really interesting that this season was quiet, 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 quiet for the Padres until it all just explodes with this Juan Soto story. And just as it's about to explode with the Juan Soto story, it looks like Eric Hosmer gets a chance to ruin it. And Eric Hosmer ends up saying I'm not going to Washington because he has that contractual right. And the Padres turn around and they're like, oh my God, are we going to let him play again in a Padre uniform? Are we going to actually let him play and wait until the offseason to trade him? And ultimately, they just bit the bullet and took the L and traded him to... They, they traded him to the Boston Red Sox. And that ended up being part of the trade. Oh, actually, I just got breaking news as we're recording here. So Luke Voigt is actually going to Washington. Okay, so they okay they traded Luke Voigt. Dang. Okay, I thought Luke Voigt was going to be their playoff DH, but they they had to uh, they had to trade Luke Voigt in order to make the trade happen. That combination of, of minor league and major league prospects all came together. So so they traded their they traded their six hitter at this point, and then Eric Hosmer just got traded to the Boston Red Sox. Okay, good to know. So they traded two major leaguers for two major leaguers and gave up a ton of prospects. Interesting. So that is a that is a move that they made. Okay. So the Padres end up trading all those guys, but ultimately Eric Hosmer gets traded to Boston instead of the Padres just sitting on the deal and giving it up for another year. And I guess they still technically have uh, Eric Hosmer. Or I'm sorry, they still have Will Myers as well, who's another high-priced person at this point. But uh, yeah, the San Diego Padres end up making this weird move where they decide we're going to get rid of Hosmer one way or another. We're not going to do the thing that I think like a, a bad franchise would do or like a, a perpetually mediocre franchise would do, which is like, hey, we're going to throw Hosmer back out there. We got no choice. We're going to throw him back out there for the playoff run. He adds value. They would have crushed him in San Diego if Eric Hosmer had been allowed to return to the Padres. But ultimately, they just kind of bit the bullet and they were like, Ah, shit. Okay, we got to trade him out of here now real quick. And it was so funny. It was so funny that Eric Hosmer got traded like that. And they ended up having Luke Voigt go in the deal. And the Padres just... The, the Padres just do weird shit all the time. At least AJ Preller does weird shit all the time. And the joke is like, if you're ever trying to offload some players, just call the Padres. The Padres are more than ready to make a trade. And, and this time... The Padres played the waiting game. They had a very quiet year. Some of their top prospects came up. And lo and behold, the Padres just did the, the craziest trade in the history of baseball. A trade that only they were crazy enough to make. We'll maybe come back to bite them at some point. But my argument will always be, if you're going to be championship level good, you're going to have to sustain your farm system and be like the Astros. And no matter how many prospects you trade, you keep farting out Jose Urquidez and Jordan Alvarez's and Jeremy Pena's and guys who just come in and just start dominating once they end up in the Houston system. So if the Padres can't do that, then they're just playing the crapshoot of getting into the playoffs and hoping, like the Washington Nationals in 2019, that you end up winning the World Series because baseball's playoffs are ridiculously random. 
and the Padres are just playing that waiting game. But ultimately, it was a fun-ass hour. It was a chaotic hour. Padres fans had been mentally preparing for years for that time when they would have a deal done, jersey swaps being prepared, and then bad shit happens to them because that's how the San Diego sports curse works, baby. It will always come back to bite you. Just like people talk about it in Cleveland, San Diego's got that little bit of resignation as well. Although their sports curse is way more dark than Cleveland's, theirs is you never get a chance to have close heartbreaking losses. You don't even get to compete. You just get to be irrelevant baseball team, irrelevant football team, and the greatness that you have in the sport will, or the greatness you have in any of the sports will end up dying. Whether Tony Gwynn is Mr. Padre, becomes the face of oral cancer and to chewing tobacco in baseball, dies in his 50s. Junior Seau, Hall of Fame linebacker for the Chargers, becomes the face of CTE and suicide among former players when he dies young just a few years after his retirement. There's a weird stat about how like 70%, or not 70%, about 20% of the Chargers' only AFC championship team from 1994 has died since then. It's like It's like high relative to the average death of a football player who's now in his 50s or 60s we had vincent jackson die last year it disproportionately happens to san diego for some strange reason and that's part of the san diego sports curse and san diego in this case and i mean the marlon mccree fumble is the one time you get close it's just there's so many moments like that for san diego and san diego gets to have this one moment where again they'll play the crapshoot of getting into the playoffs and hey it's better, I will say it again, it's better to be average or mediocre with Juan Soto to than to be bad and mediocre without Juan Soto. It'll be fun to have that play out and uh, take the risk of trying to at least make it to the playoffs. That's the thing I said from the very beginning this year. Just make it. Just get into the, the revolving door of chaotic randomness that is the baseball playoffs. The Dodgers have made the playoffs nine years in a row and they've only won one World Series. Baseball's had eight different World Series champions in the last eight years. It was San Francisco, then Kansas City, then Chicago, then the Houston Astros, then the Red Sox in Boston, then Washington, then the Dodgers, then the Atlanta Braves. It's been eight different champions in eight years. Like, baseball playoffs can be random. Atlanta wasn't the best team in the sport last year. They just happened to win the championship. Washington wasn't the best team in 2019. They were a wildcard team that was basically dead in the water before Trent Grisham booted a baseball for the Brewers and the Nationals even made it through the one-game wildcard. So Washington randomly won a championship. Atlanta randomly won a championship. It happens in baseball. The best team wins sometimes, especially when they're totally overwhelming. But a lot of the times, it's random. It's chaotic. And especially in an expanded playoffs, it gets to be even more chaotic in baseball. So just get into the dance and we can have fun laughing along and watching the San Diego Padres do crazy shit in the playoffs. Why not? It'll be so much fun. It'll be so chaotic. And the Padres, the lovable, lovable losers who, I mean, they're not lovable losers. I guess they're lovable losers like the Cubs, but they're just lovable, cursed losers who are just trying to do their very best by making the biggest trade in the history of Major League Baseball and trading two of the 10 best prospects in baseball and three of the top 50 best prospects, and also Luke Voigt and Eric Hosmer. And I, I guess good riddance to them too.
right, let's talk about the rest of the Major League Baseball trade deadline just very, very briefly here on the Take It Easy podcast. Uh, On the episode title, this is the part I like to call and other musical stylings. Uh, If you've ever seen like one of those old timey TV shows or one of those concert lineups, they say this person and this person and other musical stylings. So Juan Soto, Eric Hosmer and the Padres and the Nationals and Luke Voigt and Josh Bell and other musical stylings of the MLB trade deadline that will all be less significant than that trade, but also might have just as significant of an impact on the actual outcome of the World Series. Because I mentioned this a lot. And I'm going to mention it again. The MLB trade deadline actually matters a lot. And it's weird that that's the case. I don't understand why it's the case in baseball. It just matters a lot. Last year, the the Atlanta Braves rebuilt half of their offense at the trade deadline. They traded for... This was after Ronald Acuna, who is, for people who don't know, one of the best players in all of baseball. He tore his ACL, and after that... The Atlanta Braves traded for left fielder Jock Peterson, right fielder, well, I guess Jock Peterson played center. So center fielder Jock Peterson, right fielder Adam Duvall, left fielder, uh, in this case would have been, oh, uh, Eddie Rosario and Jorge Soler at like DH slash first base, depending on where he found a spot in the order. And that team had Jorge Soler win World Series MVP and Eddie Rosario, who got traded from Cleveland to Atlanta, win NLCS MVP. So their League Championship Series MVP and their World Series MVP were traded at the deadline. Four of their eight hitters, because remember, last year there was still pitchers hitting, so four of their eight hitters were traded for at the trade deadline, and the Braves won the World Series. They also traded for a bunch of relievers, but everyone trades for relievers. This year, the Phillies traded for relievers, Toronto traded for relievers, Minnesota traded for relievers, the Padres, the Brewers, everyone traded for relief pitchers. Some of them will work out, some of them won't. Whoever wins the World Series will trade for a bunch of relief pitchers because that's what everyone does at the trade deadline is they trade double-A prospects for relief pitchers and just get as many relievers as you can into your rotation. But anyways... What I was talking about before is the fact that 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 trade mattered a lot for the Atlanta Braves. If you go back to 2018 with the Boston Red Sox winning the World Series, the Red Sox already had the best record in baseball. They were by far the best team in the sport. At the trade deadline, they traded for Nathan Evaldi, who ended up throwing close to a, a full complete game out of relief during that 18-inning World Series game. And the World Series MVP was Steve Pierce, who got traded from, Tam- uh, I think, from Baltimore to Boston that year, and he won World Series MVP. He was like a, a backup hitter when he first got traded to Boston, ended up sliding in at first base, and ended up winning World Series Most Valuable Player. So two of the last five, no, two of the last four World Series MVPs were acquired at the deadline right before... NLCS MVP Eddie Rosario, last year's Braves team, the the half of their offense was traded for at the trade deadline. So the MLB trade deadline actually kind of matters a lot. And we mentioned Frankie Montas got traded to the Yankees as their third starting pitcher. Luis Castillo got traded to from Seattle or from Cincinnati to Seattle. Seattle gave up three of their top five prospects. They gave up almost as much for Luis Castillo as the Padres gave up for Juan Soto 
and for Josh Bell. I mean, the Padres had other smaller pieces in between, but Seattle gave up three of their top five prospects to make that trade happen, which is kind of shocking. And Luis Castillo is a free agent at the end of the season. Granted, he's like one of the five best pitchers in baseball this year, but still weird that he got traded for that much when he only has one year left on his contract. Again, everyone traded for relievers. The Cubs traded a bunch of relievers. Uh, the If you're filling out your bingo card, a team that wants to sell middle reliever as their biggest trade, uh, that would be pretty much like six or seven teams at the trade deadline because it doesn't look like anyone made a major splash outside of uh, the Minnesota Twins trying to trade for like 18 different relief pitchers. They, the Twins rebuilt an entire bullpen at the trade deadline and just did nothing else, which in fairness, that was the one thing they needed. Like the, their offense is freaking awesome. Their pitching staff is at least decent. They needed a bullpen, and they just rebuilt their entire bullpen at the trade deadline so that they can lose in the wild card game to the Tampa Bay Rays or the Seattle Mariners. Uh, what other big moves happened? Joey Gallo went to the Dodgers. That was the Dodgers' big move of the trade deadline, was getting Joey Gallo as a power hitter off the bench for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Dodgers are such a confusing team this year because the Dodgers are really, really good. They have the best record in baseball, and they're they're just a mercenary baseball team that's always going to be really good. And yet, like, half of their lineup is just Cody Bellinger, who's the most confounding player in baseball. He'll be going back and forth with Joey Gallo, who's another one of the most confusing players in baseball. Gavin Lux is Going in and out of the lineup, and Gavin Lux was originally one of those players who was untradeable. He was just someone who wouldn't be included in any trade talks. And even when they made the the Trey Turner slash Max Scherzer, I know Max Scherzer isn't on the team anymore, but when they made the Trey Turner swap last year, he wasn't included in that deal. And they were going to put him at second base, and Corey Seager was going to leave in free agency because they weren't going to pay $300 million for Corey Seager. It's just a strange year for for the, the Dodgers, but they're they're also probably gonna win the World Series. Shout out to the Cincinnati Reds, Blake Jude's Cincinnati Reds. They took selling to a whole new level, man. Like, remember at the start of the year when we were talking with Blake Jude about the Cincinnati Reds prospects? It was one of my it's it's an episode that we'll probably laugh at forever. The same way we just have like lore names in this podcast, like Lucas Niang, Danielle Falele. There's just some players that just are lore in this podcast history. Uh, his his Tua Tungavailoa take will go down forever. Brandon Drury is going to be one of those guys because I laughed, laughed in his face when Brandon Drury was in the starting was the opening day starter for the Cincinnati Reds. Just laughed at the idea that Brandon Drury was still in baseball, and then four months later, Brandon Drury hit. God, what, 20 home runs, has one of the highest wars in baseball. He was Cincinnati's all-star with Luis Castillo. They had two all-stars somehow. Like, Brandon Drury has been so good this year, and he's making like $700,000 because he was basically only on the Cincinnati Reds because he's a minor leaguer. And stories like this happen all the time in baseball. I know like people who are super-duper baseball fans are interested in Matt Carpenter's story, where Matt Carpenter was basically like, playing in AAA and playing in international winter leagues to try and correct his swing and, and keep his career alive. Darren Ruff for the San Francisco Giants is another guy like that where just his career magically turns around. Like baseball has examples of this all over the place. And 
just because we made so many jokes about Brandon Drury, I'm amazed that he's one of those people that's now turned into this superstar baseball player who the Padres gave up a prospect for. Not a big prospect, but the Padres gave up a prospect for Brandon Drury. So Cincinnati took that deal. They traded Luis Castillo, who had been there for five years. They traded Tyler Molly, who had been there for five years, was drafted by the team like nine years ago and spent a bunch of years in AAA. Like the the, the Cincinnati Reds sold everyone in the world. Tommy Pham got traded to Boston. Like they, they made so many trades, so many trades at the trade deadline. They gave up everyone who had any kind of value on that team. Cincinnati, I'm sorry to Blake Jude. He's paying for all these Reds tickets. Oh my God. Cincinnati is so, so bad. But if you're going to be bad and you're going to tank, do it like the Cincinnati Reds, which which everything about the Cincinnati Reds I, I find fascinating because the Cincinnati Reds are the team like, you know how Brian Flores filed the lawsuit against the Dolphins and then on Tuesday, right as the Juan Soto trade was breaking, you had the, the report that the Dolphins were getting draft picks docked and all kinds of stuff like that. And the one thing they couldn't hit uh, Stephen Ross with was the ta- was the tanking comments and like offering $100,000 to tank. They couldn't hit him with that violation because the NFL is still denying that that's the case in the Brian Flores lawsuit. And so if they admit wrongdoing to Stephen Ross, therefore the NFL is then essentially arguing Brian Flores's point and they will lose their lawsuit. So it benefits the NFL to not have that happen when they file. Or it's not Brian Flores. Brian Flores started the lawsuit, but it's the black NFL coaches and former NFL coaches who are filing class action lawsuits against the NFL, they may lose the class action lawsuit if they admit tanking from Stephen Ross. So they couldn't punish Stephen Ross for that. This is basically the Cincinnati Reds just giving the double middle finger. Remember, the week before opening day, the Cincinnati Reds owner went on the radio and was basically like, "Why should anyone?" when they asked the question, why should anyone pay to watch your team? He's like, well, we can just pick up the team and leave. What else are you going to do? I mean, he didn't say it exactly like that, but basically he's just like, just be happy with what you got. We're, we're doing you a favor by staying in Cincinnati. Just be happy that you have a professional baseball team. He just gave the ultimate middle finger to the Cincinnati Reds and then proceeded to have the worst record to start a season in all of baseball. They lost a no-hitter. They lost a game where they threw a no-hitter. And they started the year 3-19, and and Blake Jude is paying so much money for Reds tickets. And then at the trading deadline, they just traded everyone. Luis Castillo, gone. Tyler Molly, gone. Tommy Pham, gone. Brandon Drury, gone. They just traded everyone at the deadline, which is how you do tanking, which is unabashedly trade everyone on the team and give your franchise a double middle finger. Give your fan base double middle fingers and trade everyone. If you're going to tank, do it by alienating your entire fan base. That's how I wish every MLB team went about tanking. Oakland tries so hard to pretend like they're not tanking. They try so hard and it's so dumb. Just sink into it. Just sink into it, Oakland. Just be Cincinnati. Give your fan base a double middle finger. Something funny happened in Oakland the other day. I know Oakland, we t- they traded like Christian Bethencourt, they traded Lou Trevino, they traded Frankie Montas, and they didn't really have much else to trade. Like, Oakland did something hilarious 
where they were doing a giveaway night at the ballpark and Oakland had to do it across an entire weekend. You know how like when you go to games and they have like a little like bobblehead or a hat or something to give away? They had to do those giveaways over an entire weekend because the standard for selling those uh, giveaways is 15,000 products. And it took two to three games to get 15,000 people into the stadium in Oakland. It took an entire weekend to get 15,000 and most baseball games you have to show up an hour before the game to get one of the giveaways because 15,000 in a 40,000 seat stadium means you got to be there like 45 minutes before the game to get one of the giveaways and the, the the Oakland team Oakland A's had to take a whole ass weekend to get rid of 15,000 of those giveaway flyers so if you're gonna or the I think it was a giveaway hat if you're gonna do tanking do it like Cincinnati don't do it where you just like pretend like you're trying just be Cincinnati trade everyone on the team did they did it in the offseason they traded Eugenio Suarez they traded they basically took all of Seattle's farm system <laughs> they got Eugenio Suarez uh they traded God, what's the guy's name? The outfielder. Gosh, they traded Eugenio Suarez. They traded the other outfielder guy whose name I'm blanking on. And they traded Luis Castillo all to Seattle, took like six of Seattle's top 10 prospects and basically just switched places with where Seattle was a couple of years ago. And then they they traded everyone else. Do tanking like that. Cincinnati, good on you for just being truly, truly shameless and trading everyone on the team. Some to some to um, to Minnesota, some to San Diego, some to Seattle. Just trade everyone, though. And, and again, Minnesota got a number three starter in Tyler Molly, and then rebuilt their entire bullpen for a team that is, I guarantee you, going to lose in the first round of the playoffs. Guarantee, hundred percent, they're going to be the three seed. They will lose in the first round of the playoffs. Bet on it. If you were playing along with the bingo card at home, one of the uh, the winners for team who's going to do a lot and then only trades a middle reliever, uh, I think I think the winner of that one from the buyer standpoint is the Chicago White Sox. Chicago White Sox, which, by the way, I hate that I'm doing so much AL Central breakdown because the AL Central is a Ponzi scheme. But, like, I understand the White Sox not making moves. They're, like, 500 they are fighting in a division where whoever whoever wins the division is going to immediately lose in the playoffs to either Tampa or Seattle. And like I get not making the moves. I've just been sold for years on the on the Chicago White Sox are big time buyers and they're always trying to get a leg up in the American League Central, which again is just a Ponzi scheme that exists so that one team can make a, so that the whole division can make a lot of money and one team makes the playoffs every year. And this year, that happens to be the uh, the Chicago White Sox falling out of contention. And this year, the Minnesota Twins will probably win that division and lose immediately in the playoffs. So I was just sold on the fact that the White Sox would be buyers and the White Sox were not buyers. Kind of a, a bit surprising. Uh, the other weird one that I, I guess from a seller standpoint would be the Tigers. The Tigers said like they will have conversations on everyone, but the team is so bad that there's no one there to make the trades happen. And uh, yeah, Detroit Detroit traded like Robbie Grossman, and that was it. A team that said they were going to trade everyone away and only traded a middle reliever. That would be the uh, the Detroit Tigers are your winners for 2022. They just can't do anything right. That's the thing I've concluded with the Tigers. They're just they're the worst run organization anywhere. Um, team who surprisingly had enough, uh, like 
foresight to, to see the writing on the wall. Baltimore, good on you for not doing dumb shit at the trade deadline. Baltimore did trade Trey Mancini. Trey Mancini went to the Mets, yeah. They, they traded Trey Mancini. Oh, no, he went to the Astros, different orange team. Trey Mancini went to the Astros. They traded the one of their top relievers to, I think he was an all-star. They traded to um, the Minnesota Twins, Jorge Lopez. Way to see the writing on the wall for Baltimore and not try and do a stupid thing to try and make the playoffs this year because they, they're not, they went on like a 10 game win streak, but they are definitely not good enough to make the playoffs. So Baltimore Orioles, congratulations. You are no longer the team that I would qualify as the worst run organization in all of professional sports because you Baltimore Orioles have a better record than the Anaheim Angels and despite the fact that you've been terrible for five years I think that deserves some bonus points congratulations to you Baltimore you know who else we're going to add to that list uh the Detroit Tigers you are now the the new Baltimore Orioles and just absolutely pathetic and sad so congratulations you get to be added to that list uh, who else do we have to talk about? Boston Red Sox had a weird trade deadline. Boston Red Sox made buy now moves for Tommy Pham. They traded for Eric Hosmer, but then they also traded away Christian Vasquez and they're trading away Nathan Evaldi. Boston Red Sox had such a weird trade deadline, such, such a weird trade deadline for Boston. They were simultaneously buyers and sellers. They also got a catcher and a swap. It's just it's such a weird trade deadline for Boston, but I give Boston props. Boston Red Sox made a lot of moves. I don't know if they're great moves. They have the same record as the Chicago White Sox, so they have a a small chance of making it to the playoffs. Just, you know, interesting trade deadline for Boston. Some buying, some selling. Kind of a fun, loosey way to to, uh, play that one around. And, uh, yeah, they traded uh, Christian Vasquez to the Houston Astros. Houston Astros probably going to go back to the world series either way it's going to be yankees and astros in the alcs i still stand by that no amount of trade deadline acquisitions could change the fact that the yankees and astros are going to play in the world series but maybe one are, are going to play in the alcs but maybe one of those teams will end up getting a player at the deadline that changes the course of a series maybe trey mancini ends up winning ALCS MVP for the Astros or Frankie Montas actually becomes the number three starter that helps lift the Yankees over the Houston over the big brother Houston Astros because again Yankees little brothers little brothers to Boston little brothers to Houston Yankees are the little brothers baby and uh, they're trying their best they're trying their best to make those moves they got Benintendi they got Frankie Montas they got rid of Joey Gallo so that's a plus in and of itself yeah, Yankees doing the best they can. Uh, what else? What else fun happened? Oh, the Phillies are going to make the playoffs. The Phillies are adorable. The Phillies are always just adding a couple relievers here and there. Maybe a, a, a fourth starting pitcher or something like that. Uh, Phillies Phillies were adorable at the trade deadline. They got rid of Jerris' Familia. They got rid of Oduble Herrera, but didn't get any value for them. They, they got a, a catcher. Or I'm sorry, they uh they, they did a weird three-team trade where they got David Roberts, Robertson. They got a, a player from the Angels I didn't know about. But yeah, the Phillies did a very cute little Phillies move at the deadline. Just little tinkering at the deadline to, uh, to make them just a little bit less sad. And they'll probably fight for that sixth wild card spot in the National League. Just the little adorable moves by the Philadelphia Phillies. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here too. 
the Take It Easy podcast. We have episodes every single day, Monday through Friday. Wired Up comes out occasionally on Sundays. We have the Fall of the Spurs Dynasty podcast. More great guests, more great content coming at you here in the month of August. 1,000th episode will kick off tomorrow. Thank you for all of your continued support. And until next time, take it easy. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Charge!